Hey, Five Oaks family. I'm Jonathan. I'm the Small Groups Pastor, and I'm so glad you're inviting us into your home today. Uh, we have been in a series called Beyond the Manger, and we are finishing it up today. And uh, I just want to jump right in. So I have a dear friend and brother in my small group who would be what we call a meme expert. He uh, makes his own memes. He innovates on other people's memes and has done extensive analysis of meme culture. Yes, meme culture. Uh, but for better or worse, he has made me pay more attention to memes, the meanings of them, and the different worldviews that surround them. And then I came across this meme just the other day. Or this one. You see, 2020 has been one of the hardest years for many people I know. But if in 2021, we just hold out and wait, hoping our external circumstances to change, like a hibernating bear just embracing darkness for months, we actually may make this winter more difficult. And then months are gonna go by and we realize we missed an opportunity to become a more faithful and resilient disciple of Christ. So how can we begin a great journey this winter? Or more simply put, how can we be good to go for 2021? How can we be good to go for 2021? You see, in, in order for this winter to be the beginning of a great journey, instead of just a waiting game and a missed opportunity, we need to look beyond the manger at six attributes of Christ that overcome the darkness. And, and what we've looked at so far in this series has been one, that Christ is the Logos, the Word, that Christ is pre-existent before anything. Christ is God incarnate. Christ is 100% God and 100% human. And last week, that Christ is light. And today we are going to finish our Beyond the Major series and focus on the next attribute of Christ, that Christ is full of grace, truth, and glory. We're going to look at three specific ways to live in response to these attributes of Christ that we see in John 1.14, so we can be good to go for 2021. But before that, we need to pray for the Spirit of God to illuminate the Scripture. Would you pray with me? This prayer is based on Ephesians chapter 1. Heavenly Father, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for the gift of your grace you've given in your Son, who took on flesh to be with us and to show us more of who you are. As we look to your word, guide us by your Holy Spirit. Teach us and lead us in the light of your truth. Open our eyes to see and our hearts to receive for the sake of your kingdom and the glory of your name. Amen. Okay, let's look at John 1.14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So there's some context I want you to have, and then we're going to read it again. It could be argued that this one verse is the linchpin, the cornerstone, the essential verse for the book of John because it describes a pivotal moment and a framework for the whole book, which is to be also a framework for our lives. This first chapter of John is like a bio on the most important thing in existence, and verse 14 is a historical turning point. It's the historical turning point. It's like in Lord of the Rings, uh, Helm's Deep, where they're 
stuck in the fortress, in the mountain, and they know that they're, they're going to lose. But then Gandalf comes over the ridge on horseback with the sun, and you feel like everything is going to be different. That victory itself has arrived even before it's fully accomplished. And that's what's happening in verse 14. The author of the story has interrupted it by entering it. The creator of flesh has put on flesh. And what follows? How is it described? Well, as God's glory coming full of grace and truth. So now let's let's read it again. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Pastor Annie preached on the first part of this verse weeks ago, and if you missed it, you can go back and watch any part of the series on YouTube or our website. I'll be focusing on the second half, and you can see how this would be the linchpin verse for the whole book of John. God has become man, the full glory of God on display in Jesus, and he comes full of grace and truth. This is the lens and framework for our reading of the whole book of John. And so our first way to live in light of the text, to to be good to go for 2021, is live from the fullness of Christ's grace. As we saw in the passage, Christ is full of grace. What, What does this mean exactly? Well, it means God is even more amazing than we realize. That The grace he has is full. Think of it like Christ is an inexhaustible well of grace. Corey Ten Boom, who wrote the book Hiding Place, helped Jews during the Holocaust and was in a, concentra- uh, a concentration camp herself, puts this idea of grace this way. There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. God's grace is so full it shows how God is responding to our mess. Like the famous Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The hope of the Savior God coming to make things right is actually happening. The fears that we are left alone, squelched in Jesus. The fears that our sin will leave us separated forever. Well, here comes God's grace in full. Okay, now I I see what you're saying, Jonathan, but how do I live from that grace? What does it look like? Well, it means you don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to prove you are good enough. You don't have to prove you deserve anything. Christ's grace says, I got you. You're good to go. Now be with me. Follow me. Let me illustrate this idea about this principle in a tough situation with a parent. Uh, This dad received the note about his son in his senior year of high school that he had failed the course. And the father was determined that his son was going to attend the best college and and realized that the failing grade was going to jeopardize his chances. So the father blames the teacher and goes and talks to the teacher, storms in the classroom, and accuses the teacher of unfairness. And he threatened to have the teacher's job if the grade wasn't changed. Now, the teacher believing the grade was deserved, would not change the grade and held to his position. The father left the uh, the classroom and and he was in a rage and went into the principal's office and he demanded the principal intervene. The principal, knowing the situation and believing the teacher to be right, stood behind the teacher and refused to intervene. 
the father's rage just increased and became he, he began to make threats against the principal that his son would have to go to this school and he started making petitions to the board and all of this and the principal at one point just said sir i see you love your son very much and that dad just began to break down and cry. You see, the principal had every right to show him a different reaction, but he showed him grace. The parent didn't deserve the grace he received, just like we don't deserve God's grace. But God gives it in full, and then it can overflow in our lives to others. It's like scripture is God's love letter to you and me. And that's what we need to live. We need to live in the fullness of Christ's grace. And the second is we need to live in the fullness of Christ's truth. Now, now when I say Christ's truth, I don't mean it in a my truth, your truth kind of way. Those kind of phrases actually make me feel like, oh. But what I do mean is that Christ is full of truth, the truth. Jesus actually says he is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Later in chapter 14, Jesus was incredible at flipping things upside down, that things aren't as they appear. For one example, N.T. Wright, theologian, shares his thoughts about it in this way. We live in a world full of people struggling to be, or at least to appear strong, in order not to be weak. And we follow a gospel which says that when I am weak, then I am strong. And this gospel is the only thing that brings healing. That the path to strength, the path to Christ, is the way of weakness, the way of humility, the way of insufficiency. Think about this for a second. Have you ever thought about how much truth there is in Scripture that goes unlearned in your life? Not to mention unpracticed. Uh, it's daunting. I mean, God's truth is such an unending resource that we could eat, sleep, and read scripture our entire lives and still not scratch the surface. And all truth is God's truth, and that extends even further. And we're living in a time where truth is so subjective. And it has been so many times in human history. But John is telling us the one full of truth, the one that is the truth, is on the scene. And the reality is, God's truth reveals our own darkness, sin, and insufficiency. And as full as that truth comes, we can have the fullness of his grace with it, and our hearts cry out in greater gratitude because of it. It's the reason why grace and truth go so well together as they are in this passage. It's that while probably most people we meet have only a partial image or view of who we really are fully, and people may just love the image we portray. However, the amazing grace of God is that he sees all truth. He sees us for who we are fully. And in view of that, he loves us still more fully than anyone. You see, his grace is made its fullest when truth is also at its fullest. And so we need to live in God's truth, revealed in scripture, revealed in the way of Jesus, because all the other stories we live in, well, they're fake imitations or completely false narratives. So we need to live from God's grace we need to live in God's truth, and we need to live for the fullness of Christ's glory. 
Okay, so when most of us think of God's glory, we think Indiana Jones and the Ark of the Covenant just destroying because we can't handle God's glory or Moses having to veil himself because when he was in the presence of God uh, getting the Ten Commandments, even his brother Aaron was fearful of Moses. What is happening? Well, what is the glory talked about in this verse? I mean, there is something cosmically spiritual and universe-changing happening here. But it's not happening in that overwhelming light and destruction way. If it were, there wouldn't have been so many with unbelief or doubt that met Jesus at any point in his time here on earth. And I think that's what John is doing. He's saying, you want to see the full glory of God without being blinded or destroyed? Well, he's here. He's Jesus, God in his full glory, able to be gazed upon and followed, full of truth and grace. Just look, because we have seen him. That's what he says in Verse 14, we have seen his glory, and to know the glory of God, we look to Jesus. Glory has this meaning of weightiness and importance, and in some ways the idea that we can see the glory of God on display in Jesus, it gives us a sense of insignificance in the universe. Like, why do I matter in light of this cosmic event and incredible God? However, in a big however, the truth and grace of Christ tells us we get to partake in his glory. What? It seems paradoxical. Uh, there's this humorous story I found that kind of illustrates this idea. Um, in a January, there was a Twitter account of a sheriff's office, and they started receiving attention uh, nationally uh, because they gave a confusing tweet. And uh, the first sentence of the, the Twitter, the tweet said, large boulder the size of a small boulder is completely blocking eastbound lane highway 145. Please use caution and watch for emergency vehicles. And almost immediately, Twitter started to question whether there was an exception in the laws of physics and space-time that would explain how a large boulder could be the size of a small boulder. Uh, wrote one user on Twitter, what's heavier, a large boulder the size of a small boulder or a small boulder the size of a large one? Asking for a friend. <laughs> a different one said, if perhaps the boulder was having self-esteem issues, Another one, uh, a well-known paradoxical thought experiment, Schrodinger's, Schrodinger's boulder, uh, both large and small at the same time. And another offered a fashion solution. Perhaps the boulder was wearing Spanx or a similar compression garment. That would explain how a large boulder could fit into the size of a small one. After all this, they provided an update that the boulder had been removed and the sheriff's office offered a clarification that the boulder that fell was approximately four feet by four feet by four feet and weighed 10,000 pounds. <laughs> in some ways, we serve what seems to be a paradoxical God. Augustine, the famous church father, puts it this way. He so loved us that for our sake, he was made man in time, although through him all times were made. He was made man who made man. He was created of a mother whom he created. He was carried by hands that he formed. He cried in the manger in wordless infancy, he, the word, without whom all human eloquence is mute. You see, so when we live for God's glory instead of our own, he then shares it with us, which is incredible news from Romans 8, verse 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ in order that we may also share in his glory. We get to share in it. But those of you that are familiar with this verse know I left a piece out, and it's a hard one, another seemingly paradoxical one. 
Let me read the verse in full this time. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. To live for God's glory and then to share in the glory of God, we must share in his sufferings. I don't know about you, but I'm what we call a suffering avoider. Even if I have feelings that feel like something like suffering, yep, avoid those too. But that's where I need to embrace the truth of this passage and ask God to help me embrace the path of suffering that would lay before me as his child, that he will be with me through it all, even to the other side of death. And that's where the glory of God displays itself also so brightly, is in this baby full of grace and truth, then suffering death for your sake and defeating death forever. That even my suffering unto death can be done in the loving arms of my Savior as I go fully into his arms forever. That when I suffer, that Christ suffered before me, for me. That's what it means to live for God's glory. That every part of my life is for Jesus, unto Jesus, and with Jesus. And that's how we have to face this new year, 2021. That's how we will be good to go. This is how we're good to go. It's an acronym to help you remember. Good to go. GTG. Grace, truth, and glory. Living from God's grace. Living in God's truth. Living for God's glory. Christ suffered before me for me. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're so thankful that you are full of grace, full of truth, and in that we see how full of glory you are. Would you help us as we enter into the year 2021? Would you help us to live from your grace? Would you help us to live in your truth and help us to live for your glory, knowing you are so loving and gracious, you share that with us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.